whenever you're ready. Are we good? Yeah. Cool. Hi, uh, hello. Uh, welcome to this weekly Packers podcast that, that we'll be putting on. Um, I'm James. I'm going to be hosting the, the, these podcasts. Uh, and I've got uh, Gary here who's also going to be sort of helping and chiming in um, throughout the podcast. It's going to be a, a weekly series running throughout this season, hopefully beyond, uh, where we'll be talking all things Packers uh, related. So we'll be talking the season we'll be going into detail about the roster training camp battles then throughout the season we'll be looking at previewing each game and reviewing uh, performances hopefully rogers guides us to another super bowl run so firstly um i'll pass over to to, to gary just to, to introduce himself uh, as one of uh, one of the hosts so gary like to sort of tell the listeners a little bit about yourself yeah hello my name's gary um i'm not gonna I'm going to claim to be the most knowledgeable person on the Packers on the face of the earth, but hopefully with uh, my colleague James, we'll be able to guide you through this season, next season and beyond. Uh, well, as, as James has covered, we'll be looking at things like the rosters, post-pandemic uh, repercussions and things like that, um, how the, the league develops with the, the various problems that have occurred on, on other teams' rosters as well in the, in the wider scope of the game. Um, and yeah, like various other things like that. So I'll hand you back to James and he'll, he'll take the floor. Yeah, thanks, Gary. So, just a bit of basics about myself. Uh, so, I've been a Packers fan now for this is the the tenth season. Um, I got into to the team um, when they went on a glorious run to to, to the Super Bowl back in 2010, uh, the back end of the season when they were against the wall, needed to win their last two games. I randomly caught a game on on Sky uh, against the Giants. Saw so they they won. Um, I love the uniforms. I love the stadium. Quite. Um, into it because obviously the commentators at the time were talking about how the Packers needed to win out in order to, to secure a playoff berth. So um, watched the, the first game. I was pretty excited because they were on Sky the next week. So I thought I'll give that a watch as well. Ended up beating the Bears. All good. Um, in order to, to make the playoffs. And then took a, obviously a very fairy tale journey through to, to the Lombardi with sort of three straight road victories, which were incredible. And then by that point, I was hooked. And uh, been, been following the Packers ever since. So, in terms of yourself, Gary, how is it you sort of came to, to find out about the Packers and started to, to follow the, the Green and Gold? Uh, like for me, the NFL has been sort of like a, um, an intermittent presence in my life. You know, uh, my dad was quite into it when I was growing up, um, to the point where he took me to a Scottish Claymores game, which is they haven't even existed for nearly 15, 16 years at least, as far as I'm aware. Um, so that's how that's how old I am. You know. Um, as far as like the actual Packers themselves, I've, I think I told you on Twitter that there's there's like a, a a film, like a really terrible film that I remember watching as a kid, and they were featured quite heavily in it. So that name's always stuck in the back of my mind. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you, but that's probably how I got into it. Um, but as far as like the last sort of three, four years, where it's been a bit more, a bit more focused, a bit more concentrated, rather than just like a an overall league sort of loose following, watch the Super Bowl once a year sort of thing. And yeah, um, I wish mm-hmm. it was more exciting and a bit more, you know, a bit more. Not terrible as that, but that's, uh, that's what I've got, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> this is what you're up against, James. No, no, absolutely. It's, uh, I'd say, as long as you're supporting the right team, ultimately speaking. So, <laughs> that's all that matters. So, at this point, yeah, well, just sort of thought we would start to talk about the roster at this present moment and how it's shaping up. Obviously, they've been now uh, in camp, they've gone to the end practices now. Uh, so, so the things are starting to take shape. They need to make the, the final cuts three days prior to, to the first game away at Minnesota. So things are 
from the, from the practice. Obviously, no pre-season games. Those guys at the bottom half of the roster makes it very, very difficult. The undrafted free agents it's, do feel very sorry for these guys coming out of college just because they haven't got the stage to, to show themselves on. But unfortunately, that's the, the situation that we, we sort of presently find ourselves. So from sort of following the, the various things, is, is there anything, sort of Gary, that you wanted to talk about in that respect? Um, I think the biggest thing we, would, we should look at addressing is the, the age-old question of the wide receiver position. We, from what I can tell, we've got Devante Adams, uh, Marcus, sorry, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, is it? And Jack yeah. Kimura. I'm butchering names in my hand, right? It's terrible. Um, but is, do we need more? Is there, is there more for, for Rogers to throw to? Because it seems very thin on the ground. A couple of bad injuries in, in an already like, terrible season for, for playing staff is going to be it's going to make it a challenging, challenging year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you only have to look. Um, that was obviously what was most Packers fans were expecting in the draft. The, the Packers were going to sort of nick one of those wide receivers. It was said it was going. To, it was one of the deepest wide receivers wide receiver drafts in years. Uh, obviously, the Packers decided that wasn't the case because they decided to, to not go for a receiver at all. Um, obviously, with Adams, as long as he stays fit and healthy, you've got at least a top five receiver. But yeah. Who fills out those number two and three spots remains to be seen. I mean, from reports sort of coming out of camp at the moment, it, it looks as though Alan Lazard is is looking best placed to, to to get number two wide receiver spot from from what's been reported. He obviously flashed a bit last season, sort of undrafted agent originally in Jacksonville, sort of came off the practice squad. Um, whether or not that, that he's going to be good enough and sort of dependable enough to rely on as the, the, the go-to number two receiver. I mean, Canton again, he's had a knock. Hello? Hang on, you, I don't know. Are you froze? Okay, I think we're back in. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. This is great. There you go. Sweet. There you go. Okay, cool. We'll yes, yeah, so, so, so in terms of, of yeah, <laughs> in terms of of Valdez sort of Scantling, um, as again, he's he's flashed at times since he was he was drafted a couple of seasons ago. Um, very inconsistent, more reliable as a, a sort of out and out deep threat than a little number two. Probably say, but hope that he can take a step. Um, he was apparently carrying a bit of a knock towards the, the back end of last season. But it is certainly a very thin on the ground. Uh, the Packers obviously signed Malik Turner from, from, from the Seahawks, who was, who was cut um, to, to fill in after Devin Funches uh, opted out because of COVID. It was probably one of the one positions that we could have done with without someone opting out. Um, they decided, obviously, in which that's fair enough. That's a decision you've got to make for your own family. Um, but yeah, from, from a selfish Packers fan's perspective, it was probably the, the one position we didn't want, want someone to, to go for. So. Yeah, there's certainly concern. We're really sort of relying in hope that uh, sort of Gudekunst has got um, a real hand on the, that wide receiver room and, the, and those guys can take a step because I say it is certainly looking at thin at the moment and, and certainly something we consider signing one sort of mid season mm -hmm. just to try and fill out that, that, that room, really. Is, is there anyone that you'd, uh, you'd like the team to go for? Like any specific. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not Odell Beckham Jr., but someone like that with the the flair and the the makes the big plays for yeah. the throw to. Yeah, I mean, it's been touted a few times throughout the off season, but just because of the obvious need it was Antonio Brown. Obviously, mm -hmm. he's suspended for the first eight games of the season because of 
his extracurricular activities uh, outside of the sport. In his private life, shall we say? Yeah, but I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that he is well. He's a Hall of Fame talent. Uh, he will end up in Canton if he doesn't continue to make the same mistakes outside of the, the, the sport. But whether or not you want to bring in a guy like that, who having had such an unsettled time when he when he when he was well, a Steeler and then a Raider, it, he's not really the best locker room guy. But from a talent perspective, wow! If you could get him along at opposite. Adams with Rogers slinging the ball. It, it does seem like a match made in heaven. But pretty, uh, yeah, pretty unstoppable, I think. But at the same time, do you want that kind of trouble in the dressing room? That's what you've got to ask. Not even going to get him for eight, eight games of the season already. So, is it worth the the, the, the sort of actual cost of that? Which obviously, I mean, they at this point they've been linked an awful lot of times. I don't think the Packers have ever made that link themselves. I think it's always been the media putting sort of two and two and making five just mm-hmm. because of the obvious need. But uh, it would certainly, on paper, look look nice. We did go down that route. All right. Uh, okay. Next up, then, how are we looking at safety? Do we need Earl Thomas? That elite level talent that is Earl Thomas, whose wife holds him at gunpoint just for fun. Yeah, I mean, it's another future Hall of Famer, no doubt. I mean, obviously part of that Legion of Boom secondary for, for the for the Seahawks. I mean, when he signed for. The Ravens last season, I think he had an up and down season, particularly the early half of the year. I don't think that he was that good, but he certainly sort of he got better. Out, isn't he it? was played out of position a little bit, rather than being the the the. the he, he's a, I think he's a free safety. As a, he, like sort of, he was trade. played more of sort of a box safety yeah. for a lot for large periods of last season. I mean, it was only in that playoff game when <laughs> Derek Henry made him sort of look well, look all very safe, very average yeah. when he turned him inside out and, and sort of held him off. Um, I mean, Derek Henry does that to the best of best of people, but you do have to wonder about how much he's got left in the tank. Do I think he, he would improve 32, the? Thirty-three now, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's, he's certainly getting on at, at this point in time. So I he's mean, getting old for the position as well, so it's going to be. He might get yeah, I mean, one, one last payday, and then that'll be him probably. Yeah, he's, he's probably looking for for one last payday. There's also character concerns similar to, to Antonio Brown. He's now flamed out of two, two straight teams. Um, most times that you've got on the hook for that sort of money that Ravens were it's very rare that you, you cut a player that's due to make that sort of money um, so them to do that does show that there is some serious concerns about about his character and how much he's actually really into to, to, to wanting to, to, to commit himself to the team mm-hmm. that that's I mean you're talking about two very very good franchises in Seattle and, and the Baltimore where these are very well run teams and you trust their their the people in the know to, to, to sort of have a very good handle on the, on the character side of things. So yeah, well, both of those would have barely made a misstep in the last, say, five, six years, five, six seasons at least. No, I mean so for them to for them to both have take this exactly. Time, I mean, it's, really it's a pre- pretty stinging indictment that, that both sides have seen. Actually, we've had enough of, of this guy, and we don't we don't want him in our locker room. Mm-hmm. But I think that he can still play without a doubt. I think that it, he would still probably be top 10, 15 safeties in the league and it is a position that we are sort of weak on. I mean, you're hoping that Savage can take another step. He was okay in parts last season, but he wasn't amazing. He's a first-round pick. You're really hoping he could come in and light things up. So, yes, I think he could improve the position alongside sort of Adrian Amos. I think he'd be a potential picker. But, again, salary cap-wise, you've got to think he's going to be on a fair work wedge as well and whether or not they can sort of fit that in uh, at this point in time remains to be seen yeah um, you mentioned David Fern- uh, Funches a little while ago so he's obviously like opted out for the season 
and you say we've got Malik Turner to basically to replace him. Is that like a like an adequate replacement, or is that is that maybe like a step? Back? I mean, because Funches is pretty good. Let's be honest. It was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's whenever you're going to make a, a sign like that, it was it was clearly a, a case of it's, it's a scrap heap challenge in the sense that you're trying to find someone off the street who nobody else clearly has much value in. So obviously trying to replace someone. I mean, Funches he's flashed at times, particularly early in his career. Carolina obviously got injured very early in the season last year, uh, so so we didn't really see so his true powers when he was a cult. But he certainly was interesting. He's very big and tall. And Malik Turner actually is a very similar build to him by all accounts. So from a size perspective, it looks as though they've, they've gone for like for like. He's not the quickest. Uh, neither player are particularly the quickest. And that is something that the Packers have lacked for, for a while outside of MVS. But um, I think that he's probably likely to make, make the roster at this point based on, on what's been reported. Based on a lack of a few other options as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's it's obviously a very a fairly weak positional group as a whole. Um, so, so I think on that, he's probably likely to make make the team. Good to see if he can, can actually contribute and, and sort of carve out a role as that sort of third, fourth receiver on, on the team. team and be that sort of big body third down receiver. Obviously, yeah. they, they had previously Jimmy Graham, who, who they threw the ball a lot to last season. Mm-hmm. Many of them, but he threw the ball a lot. An awful lot on third, those big third downs. Um, and so... You, for him to sort of come in and step in and replace that. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tough for him. Um, I'm just quickly looking through the the overall roster here on the, the Packers website and the tight end position looks woefully thin as well. We've got what, Deguara, Lewis, Sternberger, Donian and Bayless. That's pretty much it. There's not a lot of uh, not a lot of excitement there, I don't think. When you're yeah, looking at like, uh, George Kittle and, uh, and, and his ilk. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a position group that's well, nowhere near George Kittle, your, your Travis Kelsey, your Zach Ertz, those, those sort of top-tier positions. I mean, there's been a lot of rumours from people from the beat writers that they're expecting sort of Sternberger to come in and, and sort of take over that tight end one position. Um, that, that's what the, all the reports coming out of the, of the camp have been. Um, obviously, they're, they're hoping he takes a pretty major step. He didn't play an awful lot last season after being drafted, so... That, a lot of reliance on him. Historically speaking, throughout Rogers' ender, he's never historically been a massive sort of user tight end, apart from Michael Finley in the very sort of early part of his range. He's never really had tight end a huge production-wise. So, but with Matt LaFour's offense, it is slightly different. They, they do tend to get more two tight end sets, um, with sort of, that, that I'd imagine they probably will use them a lot, whether or not they can fill that void. We'll have to see, I suppose. All right. Um, yeah, so I think that's as far as I've got for just now, apart from the, the obvious thing that we said we weren't going to talk about in the the draft situation. Um, we can maybe leave that until there's like a, a bit of a blowout. We actually see Aaron Love, maybe, uh, sorry, Jordan Love, maybe take a few plays, discuss it then, you know. Then yeah, I mean. Wild predictions of how good or bad he's going to be in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to be the overarching theme probably going across the next one, two, three years, depending on how long the Packers sort of carry on with, with Rogers. Uh, we don't know. It could be that Rogers plays lights out and it makes it gets to a situation similar to to Brady in New England a few seasons ago where they had to trade Garoppolo just because Brady's levels he was performing so high. I mean that's I mean I'm I'm quite a, a Rogers homer, so I probably would be pretty happy for him to, to perform to a very high level. My ideal would obviously be a few more Super Bowls. You've got to see a difficult decision down the road. But Rogers has 
throughout his time, he's obviously indicated that he intends to, or his plan is to play well into his 40s in a similar sense that, than Brady. Whether or not, um, I think there can be no denying that his level has dropped from the absolute super saiyan levels that he was achieving sort of from sort of 2011 to 2014, where he really was, without doubt, the best, in my opinion, quarterback in the league. I don't think there was anyone who was close. He wasn't got very unlucky in a lot of uh, playoff runs, but, but actually week in, week out, I don't think anyone could touch him. I think you can make the same argument for Mahomes at the moment where uh, he's sort of head and shoulders above the, the next best quarterback. Even with players like Lamar Jackson, I think just from a pure talent, I think that's where Rodgers was at one point. Mm -hmm. He's no longer there, but he's still very, I think you could make a very strong argument that he's top eight, uh, if not top five still at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens and and how Rodgers performs over the next few seasons, because that's obviously going to determine that sort of time factor of when they, they make the switch. Indeed, they do make the switch. So, so with that in mind, obviously we had a, a change of coaching set up last year. It was LaFleur's first season in charge. Um, it looked like Rodgers was declining, but was that maybe just a consequence of new coaching and new re- new systems, new regimes coming in? So it looked worse than what it possibly was. Because he's it, no denying he's, he's what, 36, 37 now? Maybe about there. So he's, he's got a couple of years left in the tank, I think. After 37 this um, season. Yeah. So, but I mean, because of the, the, the changeover in the office, does that mean that it's going to be... Will, will he have like a, a sort of second wind, if you like, like a late state, late career rebirth under LeFleur? Well, that's what that's what I was hoping. I say, I mean, I personally would have would have liked that the Packers would have traded up and, and could have nabbed one of those sort of receivers coming, particularly sort of the Justin Jefferson or, or your CD Lambs, if they could have made have been aggressive and, and traded up. That's what I was hoping they did on draft night. But obviously, that turned out to be the case. Um, you're, not, you're obviously relying on Rogers to to go back his level as I say it has dropped unfortunately but as I say even that level he's still one of the, the, the top very very best quarterbacks in the league he can build a roster around him he still very much can compete for a super as we saw last season they went 13 and 3 so they're very much that's why the, the super window is still very much open uh, at this point in time and so it is it is difficult to sort of talk about moving on when we were so well one win from the super Bowl last season yeah, this is, I suppose that's very true. Because like, there's not, there's obviously something still there, and he's obviously working well enough within the new, the new systems that LaFleur's put in place and all his coaching staff and everything. Um, I suppose like this season and next season will be like the the litmus test really, because he's had like a year to bed in. This year is kind of like a, a write off for everybody, I think, with, yeah. with, with the the sheer volume of roster changes across the league. Um, and then next season will probably be the the test of whether he can still do it or if it's time to maybe I don't want to see him in another team but maybe he will want to choose to go to like a uh, for Cardinals or something like that you know like be back up for Jimmy Garoppolo in uh, San Francisco or something like that yeah I mean I think it would be a sad sad day uh, to, to see him in, a, in another jersey I, I, I think that obviously that's the way it's trending Rogers he did a podcast with, with Carl Brand where he, he spoke about his draft night experience and he's, he was very frank about what his expectations are at this point. He says, Packers, you don't draft a, a first round sort of rookie QB if you don't intend to, to, to play him. Um, so, so I think Rogers has accepted that, that, that it might be that he ends up on another team. As I say, he controls his own destiny to a certain extent. If his play is exceptional and he, and he makes, he forces them into a very difficult push and that's really the only thing that he can control at this point. Made made that point. So 
I mean, hopefully, um, we, we've seen in times gone past, Rogers tends to be one of those players who likes to, to play with a chip on his shoulder. He needs, uh, and, and hopefully, he wants to sort of take vengeance out on, on everyone in a similar when he was, was in the, the draft. So, hopefully, maybe he comes back and has sort of gets back up to that sort of MVP standard that we, we sort of came very used to um, a few seasons back. He plays better when he plays angry, you know? Absolutely. So similar to that sort of last dance documentary when you watched the mindset and, and the, how Gordon got himself up to for, for all these games, he constantly, even if there was no real conflict, he would make a conflict in his mind just to, just, just to build him up. And I think that from, from all the reports and, and conversations, I think Rogers is very similar. He has to plays with, with that, that. That's what gives him his edge. Yeah. So you never know. Maybe he'll come and sort of light it up this season, which would, would be great to see. And to his credit, in the, in the, podcast he did with Brandt, it was very, very um, sort of looking for complimentary of Jordan Love and the way that they've already gelled quite quickly together. And there's been photos I've seen released of them like laughing and joking. And obviously like, each pitch has his own context and I think that it looks to be fairly friendly, unlike when he was taken over from Brett Favre, which was a bit more, like, a bit more animosity there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the, the general feeling, I think that there is, there always has been a very much an agenda against Rogers um, in terms of the, the way the media see him. They, they, they perceive him as a very much a, a sport child from, from all the reports. Um, I think that obviously he is very keen for that not to be the image. So I'm very keen to, to show himself where he actually is. He's probably sort of somewhere between the two. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's probably quite as petulant and childlike as, as he's made out by the, the sort of majority of the media. But I think there's sort of no smoke without fire. So I can imagine, um, although he might be sort of posing for a few photos, he's been sort of pretty spiky when he says, he's still got to come and win this job and that's not going to happen. So you would like to see that sort of fire in, sort of in him to, to hopefully obviously go on and, and dominate this. That could be the chip on the shoulder that he needs though, you know? Absolutely. Uh, all right. So what's, uh, what's next then? So, yeah, so like, across, the, across the league in general, obviously there's been a... There's been quite a lot of pullouts from the, the COVID-19 situation. Like the, the, we mentioned it before we started recording of the uh, the Patriots being like half their senior teams just like disappeared, just gone into the wind. Um, yeah. We, well, we, we sort of touched on it. It could just be another classic Bill Belichick play for what he wants, really. Absolutely. He's, he's yeah. eyeing up that, that, that number one pick uh, this season. I mean... I know from, from, from the reporting at the time, um, a lot of the Patriots players, if you look at who it was that opted out, he's a pretty, pretty high-end name, sort of high tower, which is who's been a key part of a few of their Super Bowl teams. Uh, Patrick Chung, these aren't sort of bottom of the roster guys. These are sort of major, major components of, of Super Bowl teams, ultimately speaking. I mean, whether or not from the Patriots, they've all won multiple Super Bowls. They, they've scaled the highest peak that you can possibly go to in the sport. Um, and you know, if you're playing on the page of Saturday, you're never going to get paid the best anyway. So clearly money was never the motivating factor. So it's probably very much a mindset thing in there in New England. A lot of those players obviously have won everything multiple times. Um, they can't sort of scale that mountain. Whether how likely they are based on their quarterback situation, it'll be interesting to see obviously what Cam does uh, this, this season. Uh, whether that shoulder is, is truly repaired it remains to be seen. So a lot of the guys probably thought that this season probably not going to go anywhere anyway. Let's opt out and we'll sort of double up, double back next season, kind of thing. That's obviously easier decision to make if you if you won multiple Super Bowls already. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If you've already got the trophy in your cabinet, you don't worry about winning the next one, do you? Um, on that note, do you think Cam is a classic Belichick player? I thought obviously you've had far too much personality for 
when you look at the last 20 years of like Tom Brady just being like a digestive biscuit, then uh, Cam Newton's quite, uh, quite exciting, isn't he? Yeah, I think that it, it, it certainly doesn't fit the mould um, of, of typical sort of New England players, that mostly they all come out sort of cyborg, cyborg robots, don't really have anything uh, to, to, to say. I think that the Bill Berger keeps a very tight ship in that respect, uh, Aaron Hernandez excluded. But um, that's, that's in quite terms, have. <laughs> yeah, quite the outlier. Um, but in that respect, but uh, I think that it was just a value perspective. I, I, I presume they, they get, he's, they're paying him pennies this season what, for a, so a former MVP. We're getting sort of million uh, dollars, which is it's absolutely nothing. That, that Chase Daniels has made a living being a very average backup, and he's I think he's set to, to earn a good eight million or so for this season as a backup. So the fact that Cam Newton, a former MVP. Uh, can't get more than the one million quid shows that there are obviously very serious concerns around the league about that shoulder. I think that was exasperated by COVID. They yeah. couldn't get teams couldn't get hands on him and, and actually get him in for a medical. So as the positions and, and the draft went on, obviously teams filled up that position um, and, and they managed to get him at a bargain based price. So it will be intriguing to see how he, how he gets on if he is fit. I mean, it'd be the, the steal of the century if, if they can find, if he can get anyway back to those sort of 2015 levels he was playing at. I mean, there must have been teams across the league going, well, he's, he's there. Like, surely as like a good backup or like instant replacement for if someone, if the, if the QB we have fails, why not take a punt on him? Because um, James Winston went to... to the Orleans, didn't he? As, as, yeah, he's, as the, he's a James or something, is he not? And you've got Marcus Mariota at um, uh, the Raiders. I mean, the, those I easily come in is better than both of those players. No question for me. So why yeah, don't they, why I, they I, I agree. When when sort of New, Newton's healthy, I don't think you can make okay, if if you can get back to those those levels. Obviously, there's been a big concern. He's missed a lot of time over the course of the last few seasons. So I think that's obviously the primary concern. And that I think in a, in a usual season, if travel wasn't restricted and we were all um, going about our days without uh, a care of social distancing, I think they probably would have uh, would have been snapped up by one of one of those sort of QB needy teams very early in the window because they would have been able to get him in for a medical and see. But I think. Just because the the nature of the the, the events this, this season really conspired against him and Bill Belichick, as he always seems to, wins again in the sense that he can, if he can get him back anywhere close to that level, they will have an amazing quarterback on on peanuts. I think he could have done a lot um, a much better job over uh, the Chargers with Rivers obviously moving to uh, Indianapolis. So if he'd have gone to the, the Chargers instead, he, there's probably enough weapons there without any pressure on him to succeed. Whereas at the Patriots, he might be. To after such a long time out, you might be too too pressured to to try and perform. You know, so it may it may end up backfiring a little bit. But maybe that's why they've got on such a cheap contract. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no, it's pretty much risk free from a Patriots standpoint, just because of how little money they've got invested. It's a win win. If he plays well, they can sign him to a new deal for moving forward. They've got his rights. So from it's just classic build Belichick. Um, everyone else sort of not giving him a chance. Um, if if it doesn't turn out to be, you spent a million per quid a million dollars on, on a backup QB, which is pretty cheap based on the going rate anyway. So I think it's just yeah, a classic smart New England move, really. Do you think Teddy Bridgewater is the right guy to take over for him in Carolina? I'd like to see Teddy do well. I mean, he had that horrific knee injury. Um, obviously, surprisingly, he came back in, in into the league. I thought a lot of time it, he was done to come back in the league in the way he did. I think that they kept very, very safe for him in New Orleans. I mean, I know he went 5-0 and during his stint in the team last season, which probably earned him the contract he's got now. 
but it, it does remain to be seen where, where he's got the quality to be a sort of long-term NFL starter. I think that the money that Carolina gave him um, shows that they're not sold. You actually compare the, the contract that he got comparatively to, to most of the sort of QB1s in the league, he's nowhere near um, sort of money-wise. Probably similar to the sort of Jacoby Brissett contract we saw the Colts give um, last season where it's like, well, it's kind of a prove-it deal. We're giving you a bit more money than we probably think you're worth, but if you you play well, we get you on the cheap. If you don't, very expensive backup. And that's a similar situation with, with, with Carolina. I think that they've given him a sort of fairly short rope, so to speak. If he plays well, then they've got a very good deal. But um, I'm not convinced. I think that they could be, although they've got some weapons on, on offense, I think that they'll probably be sort of languishing towards the bottom of the, of the, the NFC South. Yeah. And what about around the rest of the league with, uh, with two of being drafted high? Uh, even, even Justin Herbert, actually, who was surprisingly drafted quite high for, for his supposed talent ceiling. Do you think they'll do well? I think, I think two will probably do quite well down in Miami, but I'm not so sure about Herbert myself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from a tour perspective, I don't know if you've seen many reports, apparently during camp, I know it's always hard to read too much into these things and, and it's often very much the case it's sort of bluster, but in camp reports, he's, he's actually been pretty poor um, thus far. Uh, apparently he's been behind both Fitzmagic and uh, Rosen in terms of the drill. I mean, obviously Fitzmagic's been in the league for countless years, every team under the sun pretty much. So you'd expect him to be ahead of where Tour is at this point. The fact that Rosen, a quarterback that has obviously struggled on two teams now, is, is ahead of him, it would be concerning, if I was a Miami fan at least. Um, obviously, it's very early days and, and not having pre-season. And, and no, not really the having much of last year because it was hip injury and things. So. Exactly. I mean, you've got to give the guy a bit of slack because it's, it, we're not in normal times. If it had been, they'd have been, had their hands on him, sort of May time working on him all the way through, whereas where we've just we've just really started. So... You are expecting the, the rookie QBs probably to, to look pretty raw at this point. I think that, I mean, I don't know if you're watching any of Hard Knocks, but uh, just watching Herbert throw the ball into those uh, those baskets, he looks pretty pretty accurate. But I think I can't read too much into into that. But uh, it'd be intriguing to see how it goes on. I think that Harold Taylor at the moment is still slated to start um, for the Chargers, so I'd imagine that he probably will, at least probably in a similar vein to Baker Mayfield a few seasons ago. He'll start for the first few weeks. Things start to go pear shaped, which Tyrod Taylor got a pretty low ceiling. They may well do. They might swap the rookie in there. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on because I think that he's likely to see the field probably before week five based on, on the level of talent on that team. So you mentioned Baker Mayfield there. So like, what's what's he all about? Like a pretty good first season, second season was just atrocious. Third season, about average. Is that because of the, the constant chopping and changing in the coaching? Is it because they just have... You, you can't even say he's got poor weapons. I mean, he's got like an out of sorts... Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. But what else does he really have to to play with? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield. It's, it's always a, well that tricky second album, isn't it? He had he had a sort of spectacular rookie season and was pumped up to no end last off season. Everyone had the Browns going to the Super Bowl, which um, <laughs> was always a bit surprising. Yeah, based on on their history, uh, and so it turned out to be the case. I mean. This is a huge season for, 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 for Baker and the Browns, I think, because they really need to know by this year where they're going with, with, with Baker. And I think that whether he rebounds and he can find some of the form that he showed when he flashed in, in, in his first season, uh, last season he, he plainly wasn't good enough. I think that is he going to turn probably, out to be another Johnny Manziel? I think he's, he's already exceeded the, <laughs> the very, very low part that Johnny Manziel set, um, Brandon Whedon and the likes, I think. But... Uh, 
I, I don't know if he'll be the superstar. I think he could he could be an average sort of QB in the league. Whether or not he'll be the superstar, that looked like he might be in his rookie season remains to be seen. I think you've got a very similar situation over in sort of the New York with the Jets. Darnold at the moment again, he's flashed at times, made some throws. You think well, this guy's absolutely unbelievable, uh, but he just hasn't put it together consistently. Obviously, last season getting uh, mono wasn't wasn't didn't help him at all. Uh, but uh, no, it'd be interesting to see how how he goes um, this, this season. To be fair. It'd be just as luck if he got COVID this year as well. You know, I wonder. Yeah, just to, just his luck. I mean, he just yeah. wants to to avoid going out and kissing any any girls. I know you're a superstar <laughs> NFL quarterback. It's going to be difficult. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, should we do just a, a, a totally wild prediction on the uh, maybe like the, the championship games and then the playoff after? Just. Off the back of absolutely nothing because we've got nothing to go with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, should we? Should we sort of? Should I'm we pick the nah, I think the yeah, reason too much for me because I will forget half the teams halfway through. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think probably. So, sorry, carry on. No, no, go for it. So, so yeah, let's try and pick our championship uh, weekend then fixtures. So, I'll let you go first. Having a look now, on the spot. So I want to try and see if I can can do it. I mean, I think that. The pace for Kansas City writes itself. I, I can't look past them just because Mahomes is, is truly special. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to, in any championship weekend, I think I have to have Mahomes and the Chief I, I can't against help them. Really there, you know? Yeah, no, I just, just think that it, anytime you've got someone who's that good, um, it's, it's very difficult to look past them. Um, I mean, it's a little boring, perhaps, but I think that based on last season um, and how well... Lamar Jackson performed. I think that it's difficult to look past that that Ravens squad. I think that those two, based on paper at least, those two teams in the AFC, their talent is sort of far and away above any the nearest sort of competitors. So I would say probably Ravens Chiefs for the the AFC. Mm-hmm. The NFC, um, as it always tends to be, is is a lot more murky. Uh, it's very Hard, obviously, being a, an out-and-out Packers fan makes it very difficult for me to, to look past us. We've already made the, the championship game last season. Yeah. I think that as a, a realist in me says that we're likely to come back. I don't I don't think last season we were a 13-win squad, all things considered, when we won so many sort of one-score games. Um, so I think that we're probably... I think there's, we've still got a very good chance to win the North. I really do, just because I don't think any of the teams in the North I think the right. only competition in the North would be the Vikings, but I don't think they're, they're out to it this season, to be honest. No, I think I losing Diggs is going to be a huge a huge blow for them. Uh, he's, he was a true number one receiver, and he allowed Thielen to, to, to always be second cornerback, uh, which allowed him to, to create a lot of space and get a lot of yards. So it'll be interesting to see Thielen this season when he's against the, the number one cornerbacks throughout the season, whether or not he can, can perform at that level. I think he's... he's Clearly a quality player, but when you take away the guy who's getting to a double covered and brings the safety help over in digs, he's certainly going to be more challenging for you. Similar to a situation you saw with Juju's used to last season when they, they took Antonio Brown away and suddenly he's got the, the best cornerback and the safety doubling up on him. It, it suddenly becomes an awful lot harder to, to get those those yards and, and, and touchdowns. So I think that would be intriguing obviously this season. But the Bears, I can't see anything them doing particularly much with their QB situation. Um, it seems that, <laughs> uh, that that Nick Foles, if he's not playing in, in Philadelphia green, just isn't, isn't a very good quarterback, he's, <laughs> apart from when he's wearing that, that uh, green uniform. So 
whether on Trubisky, he'd have to take a major step, which I just I don't see. Lions. Lions can always be frisky. Um, I, I, Matt Stafford is a quarter, is a quality quarterback. He's top ten when he's fit and healthy, so they can always go show. But that they are ultimately the Lions, so you can never really trust them too much to to be consistent. That that they are what they are, and that there's a reason they've only won sort of one playoff game since the '90s because that they are horrifically inconsistent. So I think Packers have a very very good chance to win our division. Whether or not we we go to the championship game, probably rides very much on how much we get out of the receivers and, and, and what, how well Rodgers has performed. But um, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say the Packers uh, in the NFC uh, and I'm going to have them up against the 49ers. Oh, I'm going to have a rematch of, the, of last season's, hopefully with different outcome uh, championship game, just because, the talent on the 49ers team, I don't think anyone in the NFC has got a team that can compete. Hmm. It's very hard to look past them at this point. I mean, the Saints are probably the only other team that you could say realistically could go sort of blow for blow with them, which we saw when they played last season was, was a tremendous game uh, when, when they went head to head. So, but just from a roster talent wise, I think that, that they, they are sort of the, the cream of the, the NFC. Hopefully, we can get the better of them uh, when we play them again this season because they obviously had our number both times. Uh, in a major way last season, but yeah, no, I'd, so I'll go with uh, the same the same NFC Championship game as, as this season. So you're saying, yourself. you're saying Kansas Ravens AFC and Packers 49ers NFC. So for me, I've gone with the uh, same for the AFC Kansas Ravens. It's impossible to see past them. You just cannot. Uh, my my heart rolled my head, and I've gone Packers obviously for the NFC. But I've gone Saints. Interestingly enough, I think yeah. we have a, a really strong last season, two seasons, whatever. And going down to the, the the dome down there is going to be it's going to be a tough game for anybody. And I think it, I, I would like us to get to the Super Bowl, but if we're up against the Saints, I can't I can't see it happening. I think Breeze has probably got the better weapons. Yeah, I mean, I think that similar to this season, uh, just gone, the Packers playing at Lambeau. If they can get a home game uh, in at Lambeau, that they're always going to be at the advantage. So it was obviously when we played the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a good side. Um, and, and I thought that particularly in the first half, we, we played exceptionally well against them. And we, we really did have that sort of home comfort. So I do believe if we'd have played the Niners or the Saints, for that matter, at Lambeau, we, might, we could potentially get results. Away from home, I, I think you'd be very hard-pressed to see us getting a result. Particularly San Fran, we seem to have some sort of voodoo there where we're particularly last sort of 10 or so seasons, we've we're very, very well there. So difficult, you're really hoping to, to get some sort of home field advantage, which is certainly going to be tough uh, in, a, in a stacked NFC. Yeah. Interesting to see that uh, none of us have gone for the, the sexy Tampa Bay Bucks pick, though. Uh, obviously. It's hard to look past a Kendall for a quarterback, you know what I mean? The, the man is the epitome of beige. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... Uh, if he plays anything like he did last season, I think he was, he was pretty poor last season. He was very average at, at best uh, throughout long spells last season. I mean, it's certainly exciting to think of Tom Brady and you think of all the weapons they've got down there in Tampa. But I just don't see. I just Gronk that he retired for a reason. He, he his body is is spent. Uh, ultimately speaking, I just can't see him. I actually think OJ Howard's probably going to be tight end one and probably get the, the bulk of the touches. Mm. I think Gronk is there more as a marketing thing than, than anything else. Um, I think that with the weapons they've got, it, it really is sort of put up or shut up for Brady because when you've got 
Goodwin and Evans to throw at, along with so OJ Howard, Gronk. It is, a, it is an embarrassment of riches, as we're speaking. So it will be intriguing, but uh, no, I, I don't think Brady can, can get back to that, that same level he was at a, a few seasons ago. Yeah, I, thought, I saw a tweet, I don't know how accurate it was, but like a couple of uh, a few weeks ago, someone said that Tom Brady's average throw for the last two seasons has been about 11 or 12 yards or something like that. So uh, having like Mike Evans and like that, uh, a tamper is, is, is almost almost wasted it feels for the next couple of seasons. You know, if if he's if he's if that tweet is true and it is only like a ten yard throw, then there's no point having amazing receivers at the other end of the field because I'll never get it. So he might yeah. just end up doing just like just grinding yeah. results wrong. So no, I, I certainly I certainly I mean he's obviously made the argument that the Patriots didn't give him much even talent, which I think you can certainly make that argument just because there's not an awful lot there on, on paper. So as I, say that, I think it is put up or shut up time for him because it's very rare that you get an offense stacked as, as, as this Bucks is on paper. I know that the running back position, they're very, very thin. But from a receiver standpoint, you, you've got two number ones there really with Goodwin and Evans. Mm. So that he, he can be making no, uh, when you can mean you compare their, their sort of that position comparatively to, to the Packers, it's, 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 um, hard to look at, really. You know, yeah, it induces a little bit of a, a bit of jealousy for me, like you know. But, um, but I'll, I'll tell you what: if if Brady does win it or does really well at Tampa in the next couple of years, there's, there's absolutely no question on his status as one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he's already he's already there, but that was in: is he a system QB or is he a good QB? You know. I um, think. I mean, from a fan of the sport uh, angle, I, I am interested to see. I think that seeing both Brady and Belichick separated and, and sort of seeing how they both do is interesting. Just to answer that age-old question, was it was it Brady, was it Belichick, or was it a combination of, of the two? I mean, I'd probably lean towards it probably was a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. He has been sensational uh, at times, but there's no doubt Belichick put Mac Castle to 11 wins. He's a, an incredible coach, um, so it's, and that'll be interesting to see. What he can team up this season with, uh, with sort of Cam and, or Stidham, whoever ends up winning that that job. Yeah, uh, do you have any dark horses for the season? I think I'm, I think Steelers should do quite well if uh, if Big Ben can stay healthy. Yeah, I, 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 I certainly the deepest the playoff runs, but I think they'll certainly do do a job. The, the Steelers, obviously, one of those organisations that they're, they're always there, thereabouts. Usually, when they, the seasons when they don't make the playoffs, that they're, they're usually fighting to the week seventeen to make make the playoffs. They're just Always in, in around that conversation, so I think that's yeah, probably quite a potential pick. Um, but well, like the look of last year with, with a, 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 just a host of weird QBs like Mason Rudolph, Duck, uh, Duck Hodges. Hodges, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it remains to be seen, obviously, what Ben's like when he comes back from an injury. It was, it was obviously quite a major injury, keeping him out all season. Um, he's, he's lost a bit of weight, which he had to lose, to be fair. There was some one picture of him during lockdown where he was. Uh, Look like an absolute behemoth. Um, look like more of an offensive lineman than a quarterback. So he has apparently dropped a few pounds, which he needed to do prior to the start of the season. So yeah, we interested to see that one picture where he looked like he just walked out of Jumanji or something. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Beard was sort of out to here. No, it was, it was certainly an interesting look. Um, but no, I think that if I was going to go dark horses, I think that the Broncos, I think, would be worth a look. I think that. They're in a stacked division. He's a very no, good no, no doubt. Um, it's going to be difficult to, to, to win that division. I think that's probably a step too far, but I think they could certainly be a wild card team. Um, they received it based on, on paper. Cortland Sutton, um, he looked really, really good last season, regardless of who was throwing to him. Uh, and now that they've also sort of 
signed one of the, the sort of top, well, they, they drafted one of the top um, rookie receivers in, in the draft. It will be interesting to, to see, along with the, the, the tight end that they drafted uh, last season from out of Iowa, uh, Noah Fan. So that offense on paper, with Melvin Gordon coming into the mix, um, looks to be quite a good one. So I think that they could be quite a dark horse to make a playoffs and potentially cause a bit of noise once they, once they get Mm. But um, uh, um, yeah. So just just so you're aware, I've written these down, so we can't go back and change these now. These are written in biro, no rubbing out or anything. Um, <laughs> so let's have a quick look at look ahead to the first couple of weeks, like Vikings and Lions. Obviously, we're uh, we're at uh, at the Vikings and our home to the Lions. I think that is what he says. We should probably beat the Lions in week two, but week one, I think it's going to be fairly tight. Yeah, um, it's never easy we're going to um, sort of that. Never easy going to the Vikings. The Packers over the course of the last sort of ten or so years haven't got a particularly good record. Obviously, they won their last season in a huge sort of title deciding uh, NFC North title winning game, uh, which was was pretty big uh, for this team to go there because they hadn't actually won in that stadium prior to that that win and to go and win in the manner that they did was very symbolic of, of, of the team. Uh, I think on that day, Zadarius Smith was absolutely disgustingly good. I mean, if he could even play half as good as that. Once more, it gives us a chance to win any game, to, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I think the fact there's no fans in attendance for that game is going to be huge. Um, that's a very, very hostile environment. Um, the crowd get very, very loud inside that dome. Um, and then start blowing that stupid horn every time they get a first down. It can be very, very uh, frustrating to, to, to watch, at least. So I think no fans there gives the Packers a good chance. Obviously, they've shown that they can go in that building even with fans uh, and, and take take a W, but um, without not, not being fans in attendance, it certainly gives us a, an advantage that we weren't, obviously wouldn't have expected, uh, normally speaking. All right, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you there. Uh, there's not really much to write home about with the Lions at this point, I don't think. Um, we should probably wait and see how we play against the Vikings before we start making predictions for the following week. Um, but, I mean, like the Vikings could go either way. We don't know. Don't yeah, no, I mean, I'm never going to rule out the Vikings at home. Mike Zimmer's a good coach. Uh, he's shown that throughout his tenure. Um, he often very, very creative on defence. He's had months now to, to scheme up um, specifically for that week one game against the Packers. So I, I don't think it, by any stretch of imagination it's a, um, a given. I think that on paper we, we've certainly got a good chance based on beating them twice last season. But it's certainly a tough assignment week one to go on the road and, and beat sort of Minnesota absolutely and is Kirk Cousins absolutely decent QB because for me for my money he's not particularly special he's, he's in that sort of 10 to 15 sort of bracket in the league you know he's, he's not worth he's certainly not Rogers like you know, he's no, a I, I, baby. maybe I think you can you can win a, a Super Bowl with him but it's more to be in spite I don't think he's going to win you the, a Super Bowl if you build a roster talented enough I think that he could do enough to, to get you the, the, the win not a superstar. Yeah, he paid like a superstar, which I'm more than happy with the Vikings to waste their money and <laughs> lose out on, on some of their players uh, by paying him that way. But um, no, I think, I mean, the fact that Washington was were ne were never refused to, to give him a deal, a long-term deal, shows that what, what they thought of him. And I think that that's a sentiment that shared across the league, that he's, he's OK. He, he gets he's a job done in, in most cases. But when the sort of money on the line, although he had that, that win in New Orleans, most of the time, he, he sort of folds like a deck of cards. So, it'll be interesting to see sort of how he goes this season because um, I think his contract is actually up at the end of, of this season. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not 
to get that back on his reacts. Um, in Minnesota, whether they decide to go another way, um, will probably defend quite a lot on what happens this season. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to have him, have him a sort of slightly better season, sign him to a new long-term deal so they've got uh, more seasons of sort of mid-opportunity at QB. Well, they've got Sean Mannion and, and Jake Brown in his backups and whoever else they might have drafted this year. Um, I wouldn't put a lot of faith in them myself. But if if uh, Cousins' contract is up, is up this season, do they like, try and draft like a superstar or, or like, sign a superstar or do they just go in front of a couple of years and see what happens in the next couple of drafts? Yeah, I mean, it's always a, a tricky one. I mean, this season was one of the first seasons I can remember where there was almost too many quarterbacks to go around. Uh, usually there's a, a mad scramble for sort of the one or two free agent QBs that do come to market this season. It was ridiculous. You had Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, um, James Winston, Cam Newton, all agents. It was a very odd off-season in, in terms of the, the names that we were seeing. I know she didn't put Marcus Mariota in that same bracket. Yeah, well, that's because I don't. <laughs> uh, the Raiders gave him an awful lot of money to be a backup. It would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I don't think you give someone that much money to be a backup if you don't think that there's a good chance they might start. Um, I personally don't think I think the Raiders could go down that route. Just don't, I think enough of Mariota at this point. I don't think he, he's not. And he's he's okay. Uh, probably middle to lower tier in terms of the league so, so I think we've seen the book on him when he was at the Titans he's very injury prone but um, Gruden and Mike, Mike Mayark obviously decided that uh, they wanted to give him a look bring him in the building so interesting to see if he gets in the field at any point Alright, fair enough um, Is there anything we've missed? I think we've covered pretty much everything and beyond haven't we? Yeah, I think we, we, we've sort of touched on on, on most bases initially so I mean up again next week and sort of talk a bit more detail about how, how going. Uh, we'll know obviously a bit more at that point, uh, more sessions. So hopefully, more. fingers crossed, won't be taking talking any injuries. Packers have been fairly fortunate at the moment. There's been a few niggles here and there uh, that have kept a few I players out. Expected. Of, I touched the ball yeah, ab- absolutely. But, but uh, fingers crossed and touch wood at this point in time that there's been nothing sort of major that's going to keep anyone out for months uh, at this point. Good to see. Uh, obviously, not having those pre-season games, although it's a bit very weird uh, this time of the year not to have pre-season games to sort of look forward to-ish. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 probably keeping a, f- a fair few guys. Fit. I think there's probably going to be a lot of injuries in the first few weeks of the season, just because these guys haven't been hitting each other a lot. But um, hopefully, we can stay as, as healthy as possible. There'll be a lot of sore bruises on a on a Monday morning. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously we've said that throughout the league during the, the, this sort of camp period, there's a lot of been a lot of soft tissue uh, injuries, a lot of hamstrings, that sort of thing. And that's just because guys just haven't had the work they usually would up to this point in the season. Um, so, so that'll be something to look out for in the early. The number of guys sort of going down with these types of injuries. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's about what two and a half, three weeks until the first game in Minnesota. So uh, we've got like two weeks to try and polish us up and uh, try to get a bit more, a bit more professional between the pair of us. Um, but I think that's probably like a good place to leave it. I think that's probably like I say half an hour ish. And uh, if there's anyone still listening at the end of this, then we're doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. If you are still listening, and um, yeah, I obviously look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Um, take this there. Perfect. All right. Thanks very much, James. I'll speak to you again next week.
Later.